You're listening to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast with your host, Letitia Ringe, and this is episode number 16. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Letitia Ringe, and this podcast is designed to inspire, empower, and support you on the journey of uncovering your truth and purpose in the world. Before we dive into today's interview, lovely people, I want to let you know first about an exciting offer to work with me throughout a one-to-one coaching series. Together, over three or six months, we will take a deep dive to help you embrace your power and purpose, overcome self-limiting beliefs and behaviors, and create a life that is beautiful to you i.e. one that you love, enjoy, and are inspired by, and all using a feminine, heart-centered, and flowing approach. By the end of this coaching series, I want you to be able to understand, see, and embrace your own beauty, feminine essence, and power, and have your heart and mind cracked right open to your own magnificence so that you are able to contribute to the world in your power and aligned with your unique purpose. So guys, if you are struggling to find more ease, flow and fulfillment in your life or feeling disconnected from your feminine side or are sick of taking a lot of action but feeling stressed, overwhelmed and stuck in your head, or have low self-esteem, confidence and the idea of loving yourself just feels so distant and impossible, or know that you want to create work that you love, enjoy and are inspired by that fulfills you on all levels and really utilizes your uniqueness in a way that feels great to you and you're ready to make that happen, or you simply want to move beyond limiting beliefs and behaviors that are getting in your way, or attract a long-term, conscious, loving, genuine, beautiful partner that lights up your life and relationships that uplift, inspire, and empower you reflecting your own self-worth, then a coaching series might be something that you feel called to explore. And if that's the case, you can come and have a complimentary consult with me for 20 minutes over Skype or Zoom, and I'm offering this for the next two weeks. We're looking to get the coaching series started in May. So if that sounds interesting to you and your heart is going, hey, that's something that I need and I'm ready and I'm going to do this for myself, then come on, head on over to www.letisharinch.com forward slash apply. And for anyone who doesn't know how to spell my name, it's L-E-T-I-C-I-A-R-I-N-G-E. Okay, guys, now let's get to the purpose of today's episode. Today, our guest is Kelly Track, 
who is a beautiful friend and soul sister of mine. Kelly is a life coach based in Vancouver. She's also the author, life coach, podcast host of the Kelly Track Show and describes herself as an internal optimist dedicated to helping you live your best life. Fabulous. This is exactly my jam as well. Kelly's work focuses on mastering your mindset and she, like me, believes that if you get the inner parts right first, the outside falls into place. Kelly and I met through the wonderful Flow with Intention community and have since then just hit it off. And I was so excited to interview Kelly because of her mindset focus, which as you know, listening to this podcast and seeing the material on my website is something that I am also very focused on and I like to teach and it's also improved my life dramatically. And it's something I also focus on with all of my clients. And Kelly also has a really beautiful journey. And like all life coaches, because life coaching is not something that you necessarily go to school and say, hey, I'm going to become a life coach. It's very, it's still quite a new industry. It's non-traditional. Kelly was someone who was a full scholarship business grad and honors grad. And as she described on her own website, If you had asked her what she was aiming for, it would have been a high paying corporate gig, a Stanford MBA or her ticket to Y Combinator. Uh, She was someone who found herself in Silicon Valley with three failed startups and then realized that, hey, this is not her best life and she needed to change things. And it was from that point that she moved into this area of life coaching. And she also used what she learned through mastering her mindset to overcome long-term chronic illness, autoimmune disease, and other issues that she'd had with her health. And she writes, when I shifted my mind, I changed my life. Because that's what happens, guys. A shift in mindset is a miracle. Same situation, different perspective, different point of attraction, different circumstances as a result that unfold. It is so important. So in today's episode, we're discussing why mastering your mindset is so important, education, schooling, and blazing your own trail, coping with failure, resentment, and autoimmune disease and alcohol, the power of space, slowing down and living intentionally sparse, how listening to your intuition impacts your life, why we don't need to marry our careers, the evolution of relationships, and Kelly's own success rituals. We also, for anyone out there who is interested in becoming a life coach or studying with the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, we talk a little bit about what the Beautiful You Coaching Academy is like and my own reasons for joining. So this was such a fun, inspiring and thought provoking conversation. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on the show. If you love it, make sure you share it with any friends you think will resonate. Leave a review on iTunes and let me know what your thoughts are over on Instagram. I love hearing from you guys. Okie dokie. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the Create a Life That is Beautiful podcast. 
Hi, Letitia. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat and a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you on. And if you could just get started with just telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're creating in the world today. Ooh, what a beautiful um, and juicy question. I am a life coach. I am an author, a speaker, and a podcast host. I host the Kelly Track Show. <laughs> no surprise in that name of the title. It's a self-help podcast, and my work as a life coach um, has an emphasis on mindset. So mm. mastering your inner critic, your self-talk, your self-limiting beliefs, and doing the inner work first to become who you really are. I, yeah, I make pr pretty much the podcast and online courses and books and programs about how people can master their mindset. And it kind of came through a very different evolution. Like I could have never guessed I would end up here. Like if someone told me that in a crystal ball, I would have been like, can I have my money back, please? <laughs> like that was the worst psychic reading ever. <laughs> I bet. So, oh my God, I could have never guessed I would be here, but I love it and it's a perfect fit. Excellent. Yeah, I think like for most life coaches, they've got a really interesting story because um, it's it's a relatively new field, especially for something that people sort of understand. And so it's it's always really beautiful to hear how every single life coach came to be in that area because because of that. And um, I think it definitely takes some sort of, you know, turning point or big event in your life to really cause you to wake up and think about, okay, um, I need to do something very different to what I was doing. And um, yeah, so that's really interesting. So tell us a little bit about what, what you were doing before um, you did this work as a life coach. Yeah, totally. So I'll rewind to university and I went to business school. I went to a very competitive business school here in Canada. And it was like classic, went to school on full scholarship, graduated with honors, did all the things. Um, and then after school, I had always had the entrepreneurial bug since I was a child. So I moved down to San Francisco and started uh, my first company, which was a tech startup. And it did not do well. Mm -hmm. And then I started two more tech startups and they also totally tanked. <laughs> And I was living a really different life. It was one that was full of ego <laughs> and looked really good on paper and sounded really good when I went to a cocktail party. And I had this aha moment after tech startup number three when it was not doing well. And I was starting to secretly hate it and resent it. And, you know, when you get to that point when you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, but I should. And I was kind of getting all like what the hell is this? Like, I thought I wanted this, but it doesn't feel right. And it feels really uphill to even touch my computer and work on this stuff. And I had this like week I was where I went to um, my boyfriend's family's cabin, which is literally in the middle of nowhere in the Canadian words. And it was time for me to just sort of connect and like go back inwards. And it sounds like I, it sounds so like picturesque, but it was really this moment when it was just like, okay, you're in the middle of nowhere and you have a week off. And then I was just doing what I was enjoying, like listening to podcasts and reading books and cooking. And this little voice came to me, which now that I have the words for it, it's my intuition. But it said to me, like, what if you just did what you loved? And what if you just did what came easy to you? Mm -hmm. And that was like a huge aha moment for me because I had never done 
stuff that was easy for me. I always was chasing something that was hard or looked good on paper or proving my worth or proving my validation to other people. And it was like, oh my God, what if you just did what was easy and natural to you? And it was like, oh my God, I have this skill set that's easy for me that I have just basically denied my whole life. And then that started turning into sharing the story of my health and um, like my autoimmune condition and growing up having a whole host of issues with my stomach and IBS and leaky gut and celiac disease and the whole nine yards and not really knowing what was wrong. And then I kind of shared that story and that did well. And then I wrote my first ebook um, called F this shit. I'm curing myself. (laughs) (laughs) I love the title. (laughs) I appreciate that. But yeah, in there I had this one chapter that wrote like total flow. I did the whole chapter in like one sitting and it was chapter six, shift your mind, shift your life. And everybody loved that chapter. It was my favorite chapter to write. And then I realized that that was like through the process, what I was meant to be doing and what I was meant to be sharing. Cause everything else, like I was getting closer. It was like when you're getting closer to the truth and you're getting like closer to the sun, parts are like starting to fly off the spaceship because you don't need that anymore, but you're <laughs> getting to your final destination and you kind of brush away the shit that's not good anymore. Yep. And you're like, okay, I'm finally making it. So that was sort of the turning point of when I really figured that this mindset stuff was my favorite thing to talk about and what actually came the easiest. Uh, I love that you focus on mindset as well because, and I love that you talk about um, getting the inner world right and then that your outer world falls into place because, uh, well, I think that's so true. I couldn't agree more. And I think that mindset, like no matter what you focus on as a coach or um, anyone in this sort of industry, mindset is what underpins all of it. And it's so important. And I really love... um, the, I think it's from A Course in Miracles, but the um, idea that a shift in perception is the true miracle. I just always come back to that. I have it like written everywhere in my home because it really is. Nothing changes. It's all that changes is the way you perceive it. Yeah, it's crazy. I was sharing on my Instagram stories today. It was hilarious because I moved into this new um, a apartment just a month ago and I've been living here for like a month and like almost two weeks now and I I've it's it's not that big and I like know every single square foot of it and I got this new bag this brand new Lululemon gym bag and I've been leaving it just in the hall by the door and I was being like oh my god it would look really good if there was a hook here I need a hook I was trying to hang it on the door I was trying to hang it like on the side where like my electrical panel is because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, my landlord is not going to like it if I put holes on the wall. And then I like literally turned around and I saw this like little flap on the side of the wall and I realized that one side had a hinge and I was like, oh my God, I have not never seen it before and it's a hook and I pulled the little piece down and it was a hook and I was sharing on Instagram stories today that that is a classic example of like how your mindset is everything because even though nothing changed, I did not move the apartment around. Even though like I had been in here, it wasn't in my like awareness or yeah. I wasn't even thinking about the need of a hook or trying to like buy a hook. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, when I bought the bag and I needed the hook, I had this like opened up perception and reality and mindset that I needed a hook. So yeah, a classic example of how this stuff is, it's so powerful because it's, it's really all just in your head. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And it also, I think like we as um, people have such a dependence on what we can see and to understand that what we can see 
can't be everything because it, we can't possibly see everything that's um, in our vicinity because our brains just can't process it all. So to, to, to see that, to use that scientific sort of perspective is really helpful as well. So that's why when, you know, things like the law of attraction and what Jess Lively teaches, we, um, we're, we're both students of hers, but it's, it really is once you, once, once you're focusing, your focus point is different then what you see is also different, even in the same, if you're in the exact same environment. So it's amazing. Totally. I, I so that. agree. Yeah, I love that. It, it, yeah, me too. It's because it's almost like magic. Yeah. I, I felt like I was, I saw the hook and I was like so excited and I felt like I created something magical, but really I just like shifted my thoughts a couple of degrees. And that's just such a neat feeling because it really, to me, does feel like I'm creating something even though I'm not really creating it and it was there all along, but it feels cool knowing that I can like raise my awareness. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's such a great example. Thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to just go back to your um, story about how, you know, got, got to do, to be doing this work because um, you mentioned that you had um, heard from your intuition and it's just said, you know, just why don't you just do what you love and what's easy and I thought that was really um, a great example as well, because you had given yourself the space to be able to hear from your intuition. And I think that's something that's really important for um, anything that's more of a um, anything that's creative, anything that's about inspiration. I talk a lot about it needing to have the space to actually be able to receive uh, the inspiration, the creativity, the intuition. So that was really interesting that that happened for you when you had given yourself that space. And so I just wanted to know if that's something you found to be true. And, and also like, did you have quite a busy, fast paced life before that? Yeah, it's such a fascinating question. And something I've been thinking of a lot lately is this idea of space and creating a nest to call it in Mm. um, and having a foundation in place for stuff to flow versus trying to just jam pack the schedule. And then also be like, hey, intuition, like start talking to me because I need answers <laughs> while the calendar is really effing full. So like figure it out fast. Like I'm on a timeline. <laughs> I'm on a schedule. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't really work like that. But yeah, my life before versus now is like night and day. Um, Very busy, very full, very fast paced. I try not to use the word busy so much anymore mm. and just say full. My life though now, I keep it quite intentionally sparse. Like This has been so fascinating and I'm wondering if it's true for you, but the more that I lean into flow and alignment and fun, the less I want to do. And I have this like new rule of only putting two things on the calendar in the, in my calendar a day. So like two coaching clients, two podcast interviews, max two things. And that's, that's it. Like, I mean, in the evening I'll go to the gym, but I like to allow a lot of space for me to think, especially as a person who creates and makes, I need time to think and to take myself on a walk, to go have fun, to go align. And that's when I get all my good ideas. So I intentionally keep my calendar pretty sparse now. I like to say no lots and practice my boundaries because I know that it's important for me to have like a little home and a nest for my ideas to come in. Because I know if I start packing up my days like I used to, 
it just makes me stressed. And then I lose my ability to connect to that inner voice. Mm. That I intentionally sparse. That's like such a great thing to call it because, and I'm just thinking as you were speaking that that's, I didn't know I had this rule, but it is something that I also seem to practice having no more than two things for one day in, in the calendar. And I think that's a really great, um, it, like, thing to adopt for any of our listeners as well because it's kind of stressful having more than that in itself and even if you have the same amount of time and you end up doing the same amount of things when our schedule is so jam-packed from one thing to the other it we don't we can't feel like we can flow either it it sort of it clips our wings we don't have that freedom so that's I, I love that and that's something I'm going to Yeah, make sure I'm enforcing as well, although I think I sort of already am. But that, you know, having even going on holidays, like I get so much from going on a holiday, so much creativity, so much inspiration. I actually think that my business needs to invest in my holidays regularly because of just how beneficial they are to my business. Have you found that too? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my God, yes. I like to take a vacation a quarter if possible, like at least at least two vacations a year that have like a two week long chunk, mm. but more as as many as I can get in because I feel like I'm the same as you were. I've I have always had really great ideas that drop in when I'm doing nothing, mm. when I'm laying on the beach, when I'm doing like zip by the pool or like whatever. It's that's really where the good ideas come. Every time I've been away, I get a new awesome idea. And I try to do my most creative work as soon as I'm back Mm. from a vacation. And it'll just flow so much faster. Like my uh, latest course, like my my course called Your Best Life, that Mm. was all done on the tail end after a Hawaii trip because I had all this amazing creative mojo because I had had all this space. And when I came back, I'm like, I couldn't believe it because there would be days I would talk at, at, when I was filming the digital version, it would be like days on end of like eight hours of me talking. And I was like, holy, how am I doing this? Like I could never talk for eight hours in a row regularly on a podcast. But when you make that space, it comes to you later. So you, you totally get it all back and more when you when you take that time to find the alignment and flow, which has also been a big mental practice for me to learn as somebody who is very type A and likes results now. Mm. And like to get stuff done um, has been like such a good learning lesson for me. Yeah, it's as a business grad, I and I can relate. I was a lawyer before a life coach, and yeah. you know, you're just every minute counts in that world. So it's so incredibly different. But I, you're so right that it's you take these periods of rest, but because you're in a flow state, or you you wait to be in a flow state to do the work or take the inspired action, as Jess likes to call it. You, you do, you get so much more than if you had of, you know, scheduled that time in, if you are working every single minute of, of your working day, it just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work in this linear way that we're so used to. So yeah, the, the flow, you were totally in a flow state when you did that, when you did your course. And then not only did you get so much done, but the quality of your content would be so like on such yeah. a high level. Totally. Sometimes I watch that thing back and I'm like, whoa, those words came out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you feel the same. Like when you see your work that you create in alignment and in a really good space, you're like, this deserves an award. (laughs) And you're so proud of yourself. But that stuff 
really only comes as a product of like taking the time and making space for it and like and nourishing that practice. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. So something else that you mentioned was that you had felt uh, a lot of resentment in and that's when you knew that things sort of needed to change or you started to think about that. So could you just tell us a little bit more about at that time, uh, how you were feeling? And because I think like some people might not be able to recognize when they're in that state, they might just think it's because, well, I just hate my job. And, um, it, and it's the job itself. And, you know, maybe if I move and go to a different employer, things might change, which they could, but how do we know when it's something more than just that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's something that's amazing to ask because it, different words mean different things to different people. And sometimes you don't know until someone else describes how you're feeling in another way. So it's such a powerful check-in question. For me, that resentment came in many forms. That week in particular that I was taking off, I was also doing some work on my startup, which I had totally not even touched. And I had taken on uh, two mini side projects at the same time. So like red flag right there. Mm. <laughs> like I had already taken on too many side projects with other people doing volunteer work. I started to get resentful because I wasn't getting paid from either one of those side projects. And they definitely could have paid me and I did not speak up. And I was kind of starting to regret seeing them in the inbox. I would get like kind of that pang of uncomfortable vibes if I saw that I missed a call from them or if they had messaged me on WhatsApp asking for like something to be done. And I didn't really, it didn't really feel good to connect with the other people on the projects anymore. Like I had done these calls where I would reach out to the other people who were assisting on those projects and I kind of felt like I was faking it and forcing it. Like I'd have to like really get myself all worked up to be excited on a call and be like, okay, I'd have to be tell myself, okay, it's just a 15 minute call. Just be yourself, like be really happy. And I'd have to like really put it on. I felt like I was putting on the show before I did this little hello, how are you call, which was really just to get to know the other person. And it felt like such a forced effort. Mm. Um, and those were all like red flags that my inner being was like, this is not for you. This feels upstream. You don't actually like this. The, the stuff I was doing back then really wasn't my calling. I was really interested in like the future of food and food technology and agriculture technology. And that's stuff that's neat, but that's not my problem to solve. That's not my expertise by any means. Cool ideas, but I'm not going to be the person that's excited enough to wake up every morning and do that. And I had started to feel like I was like really forcing my enthusiasm and desire yeah. to do it. Yeah. That's a really good uh, litmus test, I think, forcing your enthusiasm to do it. And actually, like that's what's so difficult for some people because you could, you can be inspired to go on a particular course, but everything has, you know, a use by date, and it's not you're not going to mm -hmm. be there forever. But we get so attached to in work, our, you know, that's where a lot of our identity comes. And so then we get too fixated on remaining there to be able to notice when the next inspiration comes through and we can pivot and go in another direction. And that's okay. But I think that's really because like, if you think generationally, you know, generations above us talk a lot about how, you know, millennials, um, uh, have such a sense of entitlement and they're not responsible because we change jobs so regularly. But 
I think it's actually a really beautiful thing because it's showing that we're just not committing ourselves to, you know, our entire career in one field or even two fields or three or four, you know, technology changes and new opportunities become available. What we need in the world shifts. So we flow with that. And I think that's really beautiful. What what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's so true. And as Jess always says, like we are growth seeking beings, like we are always going to grow and evolve. I always like to think of change in my life sort of as if like I married my high school boyfriend and we were still together because that would have never worked out. Like when I was in some people meet their soulmates really on early on in life. And I think that's always beautiful and nice. But for me, like I did not have a great experience dating boys in high school. And I always think about what my life would be like if I had stayed with that person forever. And that just reminds me that I am a growth seeking being. Or if you are still with your high school sweetheart, like the person you had a crush on in elementary school and like, where are they now? And like, what if you had to get married to them then and you are still married? Like we do so many flip flops and changes and pivots in our life. It's impossible to say you're going to want something forever when you only have like one or two tastes early on in your career. Oh, that is such a great analogy. Oh, I love that. I think people (laughs) really understand that. And, you know, if you are that, you know, if you are someone who has a passion at a really early age and you know that, okay, this is just everything, you know, maybe you're an artist or you're, you know, you want to write books and you just know that this is exactly what I want to do. And then you are married to that field um, but still with a lot of room to to move around in that but I think that is the exception not the rule and so is the um, you know married in high school and you know really being able to evolve together at you know and and maintain that relationship I think that's probably for many people the exception not the rule now today what we're dealing with so something else that's super interesting about your story is I'm just noticing because you um, had your tech startups and you were dealing with failure and but, and yet you still tried again and again, which was is amazing, like in terms of mindset, um, but and then also dealing with chronic illness. So you were from that stage having to deal with mindset in a big way, even though you may not have um, really realized how important it was for you. So if you like reflect on um, your journey, do you see you like sort of utilizing some of the mindset practices that you now teach about today? Yeah, for sure. I I think I've always been one of those people that just persevere and I'm always very resilient. And if I fall down, I just stand up and I try again. It's something I've done my whole life. It's just stuff that I've adapted and things that I have done for myself to figure out like a custom way to live and put like two feet back on the ground again. I think I often get asked where I went to coaching school and I did not go to coaching school, which is the interesting thing. I teach everything in my own way. It's my own methodologies. It's my own formulas. I make up my own words even to describe things. It's just the custom way that I live. And then I just reflect it and teach it back to others. And I think that can be really refreshing because sometimes as a person, I kind of got tired of schooling because I did a lot of traditional schooling at business school. And then I was in this tech school for a while in San Francisco. And I was like, okay, I just want a different way to do it. And like, I like my own ways of doing it. And then I started sharing my own ways and people were like, 
literally somebody came up to me after an event I did and they're like, can I hire you as a coach? And I looked at them. I'm like, what? Like me? <laughs> like you want me to coach you? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and you, sometimes you just need your genius to be reflected back to you from somebody else. Because sometimes we're so unaware of what we're good at. And I had no idea I was good at mindset and resilience. I just thought I was living. And I was just doing my best to be a normal kid in high school with my autoimmune condition and be a normal person in Silicon Valley who had many tech startup fails like everybody else. And I was like, okay, hey, whatever. I'm just trucking on. <laughs> that, that is so, so cool that that's how you – is that how you moved into coaching then? Yeah, that, it is. It oh, is. <laughs> I love that because – yeah, there's such as a society we have such an emphasis on needing to be validated, you know, through education by some other institution. And I know that that is important for some fields like being a doctor. Um but I think that there is like when we all are going through the same institution, it actually takes away from creation and innovation yes. in a major way. So, so I think that is such a beautiful example that like your what you've done, your life is a really great example that uh, everyone can maybe get a little bit of inspiration from because you don't need to be validated by some external body if it feels right for you. If it feels in alignment to go and get the validation um, or to you know learn more on a topic and you want that, then fine. But if you are feeling confident to go ahead and I think it's just amazing to do that. So thank you for sharing that. That's so great. I love thank that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I also feel like it's it's unconventional in the sense that I think a lot of people don't talk about that so much. I mean, following the norm is always really easy to talk about it because most of us do it. But I think it's so important to have examples of people who have done it differently and that different is okay. And Absolutely. you still figure it out. Yeah, even though it's different. You know, it's so interesting because I um, I knew that I wanted to do this work before I signed up. I, I'm actually just about to graduate from the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, which is a yeah. wonderful coaching academy if anyone's interested in a heart-centered course. Um, and But before I actually signed up to do, to do the course, I already knew I was, I wanted to do this work and I already had created my website. I'd already done all of this and I fully intended to go forward without doing any sort of course. And then the Beautiful You Coaching Academy came into my life and I really loved their community. And that was one of the the main um, reasons that I signed up with them for the community because I really wanted like-minded people around me. And, um, but I still, I started coaching like before I even started the course and I still, and I always say, you know, I am a life coach already and you don't, and I think that's really important. Like you don't need to wait until after you've been, um, yeah, after you've been given a certificate to do something. And actually I think it's, it's better because you don't know if it's actually what you're going to enjoy doing unless you've tried and then you've invested all of this time and money in a course and um, you realize that actually in reality it may not be what you actually enjoy doing. So it's a bit risky. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It can be hard to know what you want when you haven't experienced it yet, especially in terms of like big educational commitments. I do have to say though, beautiful you looks really beautiful. I have a lot of friends who are coaches that have gone through that program and I've looked at it 
myself. Um, that's for sure. If I did a program, it's Def's that. And it's still in the realm of possibilities. I am like a student forever. I love to learn from people. So it's not like I've ruled it out by any means. Um, and it does look really fun. And I'm drawn, I think I'm drawn to it in the same way you are. Like everybody looks so warm and open hearted. And the women that I know who are coaches from their program are people I really respect and admire. Mm. So I love, I love that. And I think it's, I mean, it's also, uh, people always say like, I love that you shared like, you know, the community, because like if you're in a really good spot and you're in an educational program where there's a really good community that can really bring all of that creative juice out of you. Whereas like traditional schooling, like my business school education sucked the entire life out of me because we were not doing soulful work. Well, I mean, obviously business school is more social enterprise and stuff. And I don't mean like corporate America or whatever <laughs> people have connotations of business school but it just was too much group think is how mm. I would describe it and not enough space for me to be creative so it it sucked my creative juices and I felt like I had to fit in to a mold of this kid that wore a suit when I do not wear a suit but I could see like if you get yourself into an aligned spot where you feel really excited to do the work or if like beautiful you is calling your name and you feel like the people resonate that's like a, a great place to go to because then you're like, oh, this could expand my creativity versus shrink it. Exactly. Yes. And yeah, the Beautiful You Coaching Academy was very much in alignment for me, the decision to do that. But had I, before I found out with the course, had I rushed into another one just because I needed to, I felt I needed to do a course, I would have ended up in a completely different situation, I'm sure. And so I think um, that's a great point as well about really being in alignment before you make the decision to do something like, is it a full bodied? Yes. And if it is go for it, you know, you might not even realize why you're doing it at the time, but you will later. And it, that is your intuition, you know, speaking to you that yes, go for it. You probably felt something similar when you did the flow with intention. Totally, totally. It was actually hilarious because your interview on The Lively Show was actually one of the ones that was the really pivotal moment for me actually saying yes and putting like the credit card down because <laughs> um, I was like always – it was one – I had always wanted to do it and it kept misaligning with, with times that I'd be away on vacation. And we were – it's actually hilarious. I started doing this course when I was um, – this recent round when I was still away in Hawaii. So it's been beautiful to like kind of weave it all together and do the course while I was on holiday. Yeah. But I was like – it's so – you just – sometimes you just need to hear from somebody who's been through it like I had heard with your interview. And I was like, this is like so for me and totally my jam. So I got to thank you because you inspired <laughs> my inspired action. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. It's funny. I've got a lot of messages that, uh, you know, that – you know, that, that was the, that was the one that was the decider of my yeah. uh, interview. And I remember when Jess asked me like, why, why should someone do this? And I just said, and it was really honest. And I was just like, well, I don't understand why you wouldn't because this stuff has just transformed my life so much. And I think it's just, yeah, it's such, it's a whole different way of being that's easier, more fun. And you, your the, what you, your output is just so, so much more like you're more productive, you're more efficient. It's incredible. And also you're just so much happier. So I, yeah, I'm glad that I was able to sort of express all of that because it is an incredible course. Guys, we're talking about Jess Lively's flow with intention. And if you're not following Jess Lively, she's got a show called The Lively Show. It's, sorry, it's a podcast. 
And um, yeah, check out her work because it's really, really fascinating. And um, yeah, Kelly and I are both uh, follow her and also have done her course and have really, really loved it. So yeah, we both recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, that's a good point now to sort of shift when you since doing the um, flow with intention, how how has that sort of changed your day to day, the way that you sort of operate? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say like since that course, I really implemented my two bookings a day rule. That's just my bookings is just like for my work hours. I also started calling it my play instead of my work. That's a a little thing I've changed recently because everyone would always ask me like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And then I was like, that sounds so negative. And now I call it play. So I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing because this stuff really is my play. And it makes me feel really good because when I say I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I sound like a grouchy old person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it sounds like I'm no fun and that I'm no fun to hang out with, but I love my work. And I usually, you know, would rather do my own creative projects and have fun doing this versus like, you know, doing an unaligned activity like going and like getting drinks with people I don't really know so yes yes so I'm yeah so I've definitely been calling it my play and I've been taking more way more space and time for myself um more space to like think more time to talk to my intuition um more time to enjoy my life and have fun and pleasure because I used to not appreciate pleasure I used to like be one of those people that would be like I only get to have chocolate and a gummy bear if I do the work first Mm. I only get to go on holiday if I am burnt out I only get to hang out with my friends after school it's like I was very much a if this then that and pleasure comes second so this concept of feeling the pleasure first and getting into alignment has been a game changer for me. And I love this way of living and I'm never, ever going back to the old way. <laughs> yes. No, never. It, it is. It's so, it makes so much sense when you think about like, why do we leave, you know, all like the little sh- shed shreds of energy that we've got left at the end of the day to do what we most enjoy. It seems crazy. And then, and also even um, with I've, I've seen this talked about with relationships. If you are leaving the end of your day to make time for your partner, when you're tired, you're maybe a bit cranky, you know, you're out of alignment probably by the end of the day, if you're, um, especially if you're working in a area that you, that doesn't light you up. And that's what we give to our partners rather than you know, maybe going and seeing them for lunch or making time to have breakfast together or do something, you know, at the beginning of the day when you're both feeling good and also making your morning more pleasurable because you're both in alignment then. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea and that concept. I never even thought about it from that point of view. And I think that's really beautiful and makes so much sense too. It does. Absolutely. So, and I always love to explore with my guests when you were a child, if you reflect on, you know, who you were as a child and the activities that you love to do, does that now, does it make sense that you're doing now the work that you are doing today? I think so, for sure. I I was always a creative person. Um, I was always, I was loud in the sense of like I was vocal, like I had lots to say. I had an opinion. Um, (laughs) I was never shy. I was very well known for being a really happy, smiley kid. 
And I think I, I still do the same. I used to do creative things and I like to swim. And I feel like it's the same, same thing. I like to use my voice. I like to be creative. I like to go hang out by the ocean to, to get into alignment. And I think it's the same stuff, but fast forward like 20 years. So it's been good. Oh, there's so much wisdom to be learned by just looking at what you enjoyed doing as a child. I'm always sort of going on about this. So sorry if this is the, you know, 10th time you've heard this, but it really is uh, when you look at what actually brings you joy, it's really amazing to see that it's these simple things. And often what we enjoyed doing as a child, we still today enjoy. And you mentioned pleasure before, and um, it was actually Elisa Vidi on um, The Lively Show. Did Have you listened to any of her episodes? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I have. She has one all about pleasure. And the way that she spoke about pleasure as being um, something where you're, you know, thinking of the five senses and in get incorporating the five senses to make something a really pleasurable experience. And it could be something as simple as, I think she says, like having your favorite mug in your favorite pajamas that just feel amazing on your body in your favorite chair with your favorite tea. And, you know, you're reading your favorite book and, and that experience is a, is incorporating all five senses it is so pleasurable and that could be something that you enjoy doing and is on your um joy list you know yeah totally I'm so with you I just did a show a solo show on my podcast that went out um today but it's yeah it's called stop denying yourself pleasure because I think so many of us like I know for me I used to think pleasure had to be big or grand or expensive or like really deluxe when it's like the simple stuff like the tea in the nice pajamas at the end of the day like in your favorite mug like that is a form of pleasure that doesn't have to look like this elaborate very expensive thing (laughs) you know what I mean exactly oh I love that yeah it's it's so much more simple than that that's beautiful and so I'd like to shift slightly to I know that you um, don't drink alcohol or it's not a major part of your life And so could you, like, when did you sort of make that shift? Yeah, good question. It happened in my second year of university. So with my um, past issues of my stomach issues and stuff, my digestive drama, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't do super well with alcohol. So I didn't drink in high school. And then I did it really hard in first and second year. Um, which was like when everyone was going to frat parties and I was living in the all girls house in the dorm and I was first exploring alcohol and for my body, it didn't feel good. So I have no idea. I was drinking like gluten-free alcohols, but I still felt not good. I don't do well still with anything that is fermented. Um, That wasn't super good either for my candida in the past. And so I would always feel like shit the next day and for a couple of days and it would give me physical stomach pain. So I cut it out primarily for that Mm. and when people would ask me why I don't drink I used to say like oh because I'm celiac Um, and I would sort of use an excuse Mm. which was the main excuse for a long time but I remember in business school I organized this party Um, it was like um, we did a a conference and then there was the after party as well and I was organizing both and then the party was like I got so shit-faced after the conference and I felt really guilty because I was like I told myself I wasn't going to drink and I did all this stupid stuff and it got to a point where I ended up like drunk make outing with this guy that was my friend, but also kind of creepy. And then 
it's one of those things thinking back of it that make you feel really out of alignment. And I remember that being like the final straw being like, you know, I just had this beautiful event that we hosted and this party for all the attendees and it's supposed to be a professional event. And here I am in the corner making out with this creepy dude and like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, what the hell, Kelly? Like, you can't do this. Like, this doesn't work. <laughs> and after that, I like literally swore it off forever. Um, part Mostly because it makes me feel like sick, but also because I don't like the person who I become um, when I drink. And then there's a lot of social pressure in drinking mm-hmm. and I never made good choices in first and second year. <laughs> yeah. Doing that kind of stuff. So it's it's not really for me anymore. And I stopped since then. Oh my gosh. And that's so interesting because that's also a complete mindset. Um, if mind filled really. <laughs> so it's interesting because you've also um, used your mindset, you know, tricks on the area of alcohol because of that social pressure, because that is all uh, really a shift in perception. In my view, I've, I've come to realize that it's really the exact same. You can go into the exact same situation and it is, but you don't feel the social pressure because you've changed your mindset about it. Totally. I so agree with you. Um, my partner who has been sort of phasing out drinking, he has like a drink maybe a couple times a year, but sometimes he'll talk about the social pressure Mm. to drink. And I'm, I'm sitting there experiencing the exact same dinner. And I feel like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, they, they only asked you once you said no. And they took the wine glass away. I was like, it wasn't off. Like I didn't even think about that. And then he perceives it as sometimes really awkward or uncomfortable. And it's so crazy how two people can have the same dinner and think that it's really awkward and uncomfortable that you're not drinking. And I can think it's totally cool and normal. And we're having a conversation about Canada and hockey or something else. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great example. That's really, that's really, I I think my partner would uh, definitely experience, he still drinks as well, but not so regularly, uh, not as regularly (laughs) as he once did. And I, uh, yeah, he would, he would be able to feel the social pressure in some situations, but he doesn't really talk to me about it. But if I asked him, I'm sure he would. So that's really interesting. Yeah. That, that it is, it is just, again, a shift in perception. So have you found, have you ever had the desire to like start drinking again? No, actually never. Um, no, I'm very happy enjoying my sober life. Like I've been doing it for so many years and I feel very aligned drinking my beverages of choice. It's usually just plain water. Like I really enjoy drinking water with ice. I'm like the most basic person at a restaurant and that's, that's good for me. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that. It's so helpful because yeah, when I, when I first stopped drinking, I moved to sparkling water and that was my drink of choice. But now I just get water. And it's amazing. Like I, I, yeah. I, I did need that at first because I like to have the special drink, you know, especially mm-hmm. sparkling waters felt, felt fun. Um, but yeah. then I, yeah, now I don't even think about it and I just get water as I need it as if I would, if I was anywhere else. And it's totally, that's really cool. I, yeah, the non-drinking uh, lifestyle is something that I think is becoming, you know, people I want to learn more about and, are also just really interested to hear how other people have done it. So, yeah, thank you for sharing exactly how that happened for you. 
And um, yeah. yeah, if anyone else is interested in um, learning more about, you know, organizations that also don't um, incorporate alcohol into their events, just do a Google search. There's so many in every city I've looked in. Have you found that to be other? Have you found any organizations in Canada that also promote like non-drinking support for either millennials with no drinking or uh, like have sober sort of events? Is that a thing? I'd say the person I see doing a lot of this, I don't know if you follow Ruby Warrington at all, who wrote do you her book, um, Material Girl, Mystical World. She's getting into the sober living stuff. Yeah, I've heard about her. Yeah, I've been listening to her stuff on podcasts that seems really cool and her educations in like colleges and universities. I feel like as I become more conscious and like have elevated my friend group, I feel like most of my friends these days actually don't even drink. Like, I feel like it's almost the norm in my social groups that I hang out with now. Do you feel the same? I do. Yes. I'm just, yeah. yeah, all the people. Exactly. And, and actually a lot of people who are most, uh, resistant to me giving up alcohol, they don't drink, uh, very much at all now. So we hang out in a group setting without alcohol being the focus, whereas once it might've been, that's really interesting. It's so, such an interesting shift. It is. It's so it's so cool. I can't wait to see where this all goes, um, you know, in the future. But that's actually something I wanted to ask you about when you moved into coaching or into this world of, you know, running your own business in this personal development self-help realm. What was that like for you with your family and friends at the time? Did you experience any resistance and how did you overcome that if you did? Oh my God. Yeah. You know, this is a loaded question. (laughs) It's a great question. I think it's so, um, so important because as you up level and as you shift your life, other parts shift too. Like, you know, when you do the mindset work and when you're elevating your life and you're making it happen and you're thinking differently, old parts die away. It's like a natural part of attrition for parts to fall off. And I had to get comfortable knowing that things would ebb and flow. And Whenever I get upset or worried or anxious or my ego is like, you're never going to have any friends, um, I just remind myself that when I was in elementary school and when I went to high school, I had new friends. And high school to university, I had new friends. And university San Francisco, I had new friends. And then San Francisco to now. And like the evolutions I've done, it's just a natural progression. You gain different people who come and hang out with you. And some people go away. And that's okay. Um, understanding that that's, that's a part of it. And people don't like to talk about it because it's not pretty Mm. or comfortable, but I have had lots of people that have left my life and, you know, the people that are meant for you will stay with you. And the people that will flow into your life are also meant for you. And the people that go away are meant to go away. And just trusting that and trusting that the people that stick around are the people that stick around. And I've also been so loving nurturing these new relationships because I feel like for the first time in my life I have people that actually get me versus people that were like just people that I hung out with because they lived close to my house in high school or we went to the same business school and we would hang out together based on the fact that we did the same courses versus having the same passions in life so I've I feel like it's been a continual process of coming home but I also got to say that the road to get here I definitely you know, some people left the bus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And it's so it's, 
it's so exciting that we can actually connect with anyone in the world now because of, you know, social media. It's really made us be able to find people with similar interests and be able to connect with them. So um, while, we'll, while we were previously, you know, limited by our who was in our like location, we don't have that problem anymore. So we really can find people who are going to empower and uplift and support us in a, in a, in a really deep and meaningful way. That's so helpful for us continuing to sort of evolve in, in that area and on our journeys. But also I think it's like, we think of um, the evolutions of friendships and parting or relationships generally as a negative thing, but if we all evolved at the same rate and on the exact same path, then we would just be taking the freedom from other people to fully embody what their truth is. And that's not something you do for people that you love. So if we do, if we are moving at different uh, rates and paces, then why can't we just lovingly part from these people and just be really appreciative that we got to share the experience that we did together and, you know, just and, and make that part in a really like loving, grateful way. Sort of like what Marie Kondo does um, when she parts yeah. with her objects. <laughs> totally. I love that. I think that's a beautiful way to see it. I definitely, definitely agree with you that I always try to see the good and everything and find the appreciation. But I do got to say, like, not everybody is, you know, on the same level of consciousness as you or I or as the listeners and there's definitely people in your life that are going to be really upset so I it's kind of one of those things where it's like only you can control your life and you can control your mindset and how you choose to see it and whatever anyone else thinks or how they choose to see it is on them and all you got to do is just like a, a, like what you said I love that that just appreciate those people and see the good in it and see it as a part of of the beauty of the unfolding yes that's a really good point you make because you still have to be the one often to make to make that shift and um, something I did um, for most of my life was anyone who wanted to be my friend I was really happy with that and so they would be my friend rather than choosing who I wanted as friends and who really did who were really the right people for me to have around in my life at that time so you have to be very active in 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 that process so yeah thank you that's a really great point so just a last couple of questions for you. Um, the first one is what would be if, if there is any advice that you would give to your younger self reflecting, knowing what you do today and, of course, not wanting to change anything because you wouldn't be here um, where you are today. But if there was a piece of advice that you would give your younger self, what would it be? Yeah, uh, the first thing that came to me is um, you're not a freak and your differences make you amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I I would definitely say that you're not a freak. Um, You're not weird. You're not uncool. You're not lame. You're not the coolest person or you're not the loserest, lamest, uncool person in sixth grade. You know, you're totally fine and you get there and I promise your hair is going to grow out. I had this like (laughs) super short, crazy pixie cut that would not grow out for years and everything works out fine. And uh, don't be afraid to be different than the rest. Oh. That is great advice. I love that. (laughs) So good. Yeah. Embrace what you think is weird because, you know, it's you. And yeah, yeah, we don't want just a world of everyone being the same. That would be so boring. (laughs) Totally. And Kelly, if there was any advice that you'd give to someone who maybe is 
listening to this right now and they're feeling really stuck in whatever they're doing and maybe they just they can't see you know passion anywhere they've got no idea where to go but they they really want to find you know meaning and fulfillment in terms of the work and contribution they're making to the world and um, what advice would you give them to sort of get started on that journey mm, it's a beautiful question I think the what I did for me um I just went and made the space. I went to one of my favorite cafes and I took my favorite journal and a pen and wrote down the things I loved. Um, And at first I really ignored it. Like the first thing I wrote down was like, make a blog about what I eat. And then I was like, that's, that's not good enough. It's got to be like a tech startup or something. (laughs) And of course, like I bypassed my intuition back in the day, but yeah, just let whatever comes up, come up and don't put shoulds on yourself or pressure that needs to be a certain way or that it needs to be some big grandiose thing. Like Mm. you can love whatever you love. And if you love it enough, it will become a divine expression of you. And it's going to turn into this magnificent thing, whether that is a blog or like a podcast like yours, Letitia, or, you know, pursuing life coaching or like becoming a gardener or a plumber or whatever sparks your fancy. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Don't judge it. Don't judge what comes yeah. up. That's yeah. That's that's uh, that's incredible advice. And yeah, I I think just sitting down and looking at the the little things that you love is um, just such a wonderful thing to do regularly uh, as, as well. So not even if you're just looking to shift careers, but to be constantly checking in. And um, Kelly, do you also have any rituals that you do on a you know regular basis? Yes, I have many rituals. I, I talk about this in my course, Your Best Life, but this um, my morning routine is very sacred to me. And then I have these success rituals, which are r- rituals that are built in um, among the day to give me alignment, essentially, except when I made that term up, success rituals, I didn't know what alignment meant. Basically <laughs> stuff that makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so my morning routine, I take a lot of time in the morning. Um, I don't, I stop scheduling things. Actually, I don't take calls until 11 AM. That's a new thing since slow with attention. So I have unlimited time in the morning to sleep in and get up when my body wants to get up and ease into my day. So I kind of, right now it's looking like journaling. And then I usually, I always take time to get into alignment. So if I'm reading a book or listening to an audiobook and having my choice of caffeine mm-hmm. um, and some the smoothie that I make every day and then some almond butter on toast and then <laughs> doing my five pages of appreciation. And then I close it out with a statement from the quantum, the quantum leap. I don't know if you've read that one. I haven't yet. No. Yeah, I really like that one. So I close it out with like a statement from Price Pritchett's The Quantum Leap um, or sorry, U Squared slash the quantum leap strategy. um, And then I get into my work day. And then whenever it stops feeling good, I have success rituals built in place. So going for a walk on the seawall with a podcast and like either like a four sigmatic or some coffee or a hot tea or going to yoga. I like to go to yoga every day around five or six o'clock because that's another time of the day when I am like losing all my brain power. And then yeah, those are those are the main ones, the morning and then sort of the afternoon. And I've been really trying to put meditation in there too. Mm. I've been kind of on and off the bandwagon with meditation. I was really good at it. And then it started not feeling fun. And I just let myself be okay with that and not force it. And it's starting to feel better now. So I try when it feels good to do a little meditation and just do it however long it feels good and then stop mm. when it gets annoying. 
Yeah, that, I think that's that's important because you could be taking yourself out of your alignment otherwise. So, well, there that your um, rituals look very similar to mine, which makes a lot of sense because we share a lot of similar interests. So, I uh, I love that you've got those um, daily rituals because that's really your time to fill up your bucket every day and then give you the you know space to get creative and do the amazing work that you're doing in the world today. And I'm just so honoured to have been able to share your story. And thank you so much for coming on. I've got one final question for you. And it's just what's in store for Kelly uh, for 2018, as far as you know. Oh, amazing. So depending on when this is launching, I have, I'm um, creating my very first um, group program. So it's called the Inner Circle. It's a subscription-based offering. So it's Netflix meets personal development. (laughs) And it's the first thing I've ever done like this. So it's the three things that I believe people need to be successful in terms of personal growth, which is a strategy, um, support, and a soul tribe. So it is a monthly offering. Um, It happens every single month. And it's uh, two live calls. One is a high-level mindset training with me. And then there's a group coaching call followed up by weekly chats and access to a community of like-hearted soul sisters and gems because I feel like that's what everybody's really seeking right now is like not only just knowing what to do or working with a coach but also having a tribe and people that get it because I wish like I mean I feel so connected to you right now Letitia and I feel like I have found such beautiful people in communities and I've this is like I feel like it's, it just came from this such this open heart space of like, oh my God, I have all these people that I work with that are amazing and beautiful and all these beautiful podcast listeners. And it's like, why don't we just put this all together in one? So yeah, so that's the inner circle. And that's what's been happening in my world. Oh, I love that. That's such a wonderful idea. And I think, you know, the support that you get from your soul sisters, if people have ever gone to a women's circle or, you know, you just have a group of girlfriends that are just, you know, have your back and really support you. That support is so invaluable in helping you achieve whatever it is you want to achieve and hold you accountable to the best version of yourself. So I think that's such a beautiful offering that you've got there. And yeah, just I wanted to say one last time about how grateful I am to have met you. Appreciative. I like I always use, <laughs> I like I prefer to use appreciate, but yeah, I really, I really appreciate have being able to share this space with you and to meet you. And I can't wait to see how we continue to, you know, keep connected and to watch your journey unfold and um yeah, just everything that you're offering and creating to the world. So thanks, Kelly. Oh, thank you, Letitia. It was honestly such a divine pleasure to chat with you today. This is like, this is total play. I'm (laughs) counting this as play all day long. Thank you so much for the, for the opportunity to have me here. And you're such a good interviewer. Your (laughs) podcast listeners are very lucky. You have a great podcast, by the way. I've, I've been listening along. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. So there it is, my friends. What a wonderful conversation Kelly and I had together. Thank you, Kelly, for coming on the podcast. I love Kelly's comment that what if you just did what you loved and what came easy to you? Because as you know, over here at Create a Life That Is Beautiful, we or I believe that if we focus on doing work that lights us up, that we love, enjoy and are inspired by, 
then from that place, that is how we contribute most meaningfully to ourselves, our community and the people around us, because we are creative, we are innovative and we are more productive. So the quality of our work is so much better, allowing all of us to benefit from your uniqueness. You can learn more about Kelly and her work over at www.kellytrack, that's T-R-A-C-H dot com, and also connect with Kelly on Instagram at kellytrack. You can also find the show notes for this episode over at www.letisharinge.com forward slash kellytrack. Now, what's going on for me this week? Well, as I record this, I am still in Sydney. However, I'm enjoying my final day here, and as this airs, I will be in the sky somewhere between Sydney and London. I arrive back in London on Friday, London time, and I will be enjoying getting back into the swing of things after six weeks in the Southern Hemisphere. And for those of you who know, I recently was in Auckland. What a beautiful city. I really enjoyed all their beautiful vegetarian and vegan options, lots of sustainable food choices, refined sugar-free, all the things that I love. But most of all, I really, really loved going to my graduation and inspiration day at the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, also attending the wonderful Sammy Fleming's Women's Circle and making some wonderful, wonderful connections with other women out there who are really trying to make a difference in the world. So... This is something that's really super exciting for me. I also plan on holding some workshops and women's circles on my return to London. So make sure you listen out for those. And if you do want to take advantage of this opportunity to work with me on a one-to-one basis, as I said, head over to www.letisharinch.com forward slash apply. And to that end, if you want more, please make sure you're signed up for my weekly newsletter at www.letisharinge.com forward slash subscribe. This newsletter is designed to help you create a life that is beautiful in your eyes and is filled with my tips and resources to help you do just that. I'll be back next week with another inspiring episode for you. And in the meantime, I ask, as always, to come hang out on Instagram at Create a Life That Is Beautiful or on Facebook at Letitia Ringe. And have a wonderful week, my friends. See you next week for another episode to help you unlock your truth and purpose. 